Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. As always, I'm your host, Giles Smith, and today's show is the second episode in our mini-series on rethinking waste, and we turn our focus from plastic to mechanically recycled textiles, taking a look at the downstream uses for the recycled material and how you can get involved. Now, you may be aware of some of the alarming statistics of this already, but the average Australian throws out 23 kilos of textiles every year, giving us the dubious honour of being the second largest consumer of textiles per capita in the world, just behind the US. And if you sum those numbers up, with 26.3 million people here in Australia, that adds up to something staggering like 604 million kilos of textile waste every single year. Clearly, as brands, we need to and have a responsibility to change this equation. So to help you on that path, my guest today is Michael Elias, founder of Apparel. As you'll hear, the demand for domestic recycling of textiles here in Australia has enabled Michael to transition from e-commerce brands selling subscription socks to Australia's largest mechanical textile recycler in just a couple of years. A little like Plastic Bank that we spoke to last week on the show, Apparel have a strong focus on transparency and traceability when it comes to knowing exactly what your brand is recycling and where that recycled material actually ends up. Perhaps most relevantly for the topic of this little series, one of the most exciting parts of Apparel's ecosystem is how they're constantly innovating and working with downstream partners to rethink waste textiles as a resource, replacing other virgin materials in a range of products from fillers in boxing bags to home insulation. That means that whether your waste problem relates to overstock, returns, dead stock, or post-consumer product, or even staff uniforms, Apparel has a solution to help you keep that material out of landfill. And so with that, let's start the show. Michael Elias, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Giles. My goodness, I'm pleased you're here because you're part of, I think, what's going to be a really interesting series of little shows that I'm doing on helping brands take care of their waste products more effectively than they have been in the past. And of course, Apparel is an absolute leader in this space. So we're thrilled to have you on. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's very exciting to be on and um, you know, definitely excited to be able to share some of our journey and you know, um, you know, how we now see waste as a resource more than anything else. Right, absolutely. And and I'm excited to talk about that. I mean, obviously, you're you've got some interesting stats on the site now, you know, nearly coming up to 9 million items, say from landfill, 3 million items upcycled. But we didn't start there. Obviously, there's been a journey to get there. And so maybe we could start by telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, Michael, and how you got to apparel. I started my career in um, corporate banking and finance. And whilst I was there throughout the course of I was there for 13 years and, and towards the latter part of my career, we stopped wearing ties at work. You know, it wasn't always about a suit and tie, a shirt and tie. And so I loved my funky coloured, um, quirky ties, um, not not your classic Mickey Mouse brown ones, but, you know, um, and after we stopped wearing ties, it was kind of like, well, how do I add some flair to this mundane outfit? And so we started wearing some colourful socks and 
meetings became about how cool my socks were and not how to make billions of dollars off everyday consumers in Australia. And uh, I, I, I won't lie, I kind of enjoyed that attention. Um, <laughs> and um, what we had found was regardless of what socks I had purchased, um, whether they were $5, $10 socks or whether they were $40 socks, product quality was all very, very similar and not great, so to speak. And so the entrepreneur and me said, oh, I reckon we can do something in, something here. Um, my wife, Tina, is a creative director um, and, you know, kind of designer and the creative by, you know, um, at heart. And so we said, well, why don't we launch a quirky sock brand? And so I would tell everyone at work, I was working from home on the Friday and I'd get on a flight on a Thursday night. I'd fly out to Egypt to meet with Egyptian cotton manufacturers and I'd be back at work Monday morning. No one knew what was going on. That was, you know, Tina was designing. Um, I was dealing with the manufacturing side. And then when we got back and, you know, kind of got some product ready, we thought, let's launch, let's launch this as a subscription model. Um, clearly, we need socks are an essential. You're wearing them a lot of the time. You know, back then, we were, you know, every day. Mm. Um, and, you know, we know people want to change it up. So we launched Australia's first subscription model. And we saw some amazing success and, um, you know, we grew to, you know, we've got one, you know, football finalist for startup of the year. We became a Westpac business of tomorrow um, organization. We were awarded a whole bunch of stuff and we really changed the, you know, the way things were in terms of buying, making, distributing socks. And we we're a completely, I love this word, digitally native vertical brand, right? So we managed everything from the design to the manufacturing, to the um, import, to the selling, the distribution, and then obviously the communication with the customer and we we're able to continue and build on that. Anyway, that was in 2015, we launched that. And um, then in, you know, fast forward, everything has gone really well. You know, we were selling, you know, we had tens of thousands of customers across over 70 countries around the world. Everything was going great. But then two things happened. One is my, um, we started to see customers drop off because their sock drawer was full was the number one reason they were canceling the subscriptions. And on the other side of things, I came to clean out my sock drawer. Um, and I realized that there was nothing to do with our socks, my socks, besides putting them in the bin. At that point, it was kind of like, hang on a second. So we're producing this epic product. We're doing some really good stuff. But at the end of the day, we're creating something and we're not taking responsibility for end of life. That was in 2019. And so we searched high and low and we launched what became, and what still is obviously, um, the world's first sock take back program where we would take people's old socks back. We would recycle them. We would ensure that they didn't end up in landfill and we would reward them and incentivize them for doing that. And what happened from there is kind of history, but it was all, you know, for us, there's always this thing. And I think once we move into our new facility, there'll be something big up on the wall that just, you know, says start with socks because that's all it was. We just started with socks and over time we found our purpose and, you know, um, you know, obviously our sock take back and sock recycling program, you know, was fantastic. And here we are today as Australia and New Zealand's leading textile recovery and reuse and recycling organization that supports you know almost every brand that you can think of both locally domestically and globally what an amazing journey i mean it's, it's a coherent set of um innovations along the way that have led you from 
uh, from your first idea, you know, selling socks. I mean, that was an innovative concept, though. I must admit, subscription socks. I mean, even now, it's a pretty unusual thing, uh, I, I would think. Uh, don't know any other brands that are doing that. There might be. I think there actually might be one in the UK now. But but still, it was a pretty innovative thing. Have you still got man rags? Is that still a thing that's going on? No, no. So in in so what happened? You know, kind of fast forwarding a little bit. Um, as as we launched, so so you know, the real the real change came in twenty twenty, where we had um, been funded um, by a government body to go and launch our program in the US. Mm. And uh, don't need to tell you what happened in 2020, but no. a, week, a week before we were supposed to get on a flight and leave, everything was set up. You know, there's companies, there's facilities, there's, you know, partnerships and everything ready to go. And a week before, obviously, the world started to play up a bit. I decided not to take the flight simply because I was at risk of missing my son's birthday. Um, probably lucky I didn't. I would have missed probably two birthdays if I had made that, got on that flight. But, um, you know, instead we kind of said, well, you know, we can't do what we intended to do from a strategic perspective, which was, you know, grow the program and launch into the US and new markets. So let's focus everything on domestic and let's go back to our community, which has always played a massive part in what we did and see what they wanted next. And essentially they had said, well, you've been able to do this with socks surely you can do it with every other product. And so in 2020, Australia's first digital textile collection program was born where we would pick up boxes of unwanted textiles from people's front doorstep, bring it back in, reuse what we could and repurpose and recycle what we had to. And um, we incentivized customers for doing that. And later on throughout that, we started having brands knock on our door and say, hey, can we offer this to our customers? And retailers asking the same thing. And we said, yeah, well, we've built this whole system and we can white label it almost, you know, take us a few minutes and we can just launch it onto your website. And so we did that. And then over time, what we found was actually there was greater opportunity to grow, create greater awareness and make a significantly greater impact through partnership and collaboration. And it was kind of at that point that we thought to ourselves, well, you know, let's stop selling product. There's enough product out there mm. um, so man rags doesn't exist in its current state anymore or at all um and you know let's leverage these retailers and brands who you know that's their focus their focus is to sell product make product do all that kind of thing and let's focus our efforts on you know um, being their partner and taking responsibility for the end of life of their products and um yeah that's that's where we're at today and yeah so apparel kind of started by just going, oh, our customers need more of this. Uh, they need, they need, they've got other things like jeans and shirt, t-shirts and other sheets and God knows whatever else that they need to take care of at the end of life. And then, and then suddenly brands started going, hang on, this is clever. Let's, uh, can we do this? Yeah, exactly right. And I think it was very much, um, I love that people call things, you know, people have pivots, hours yeah. or, you know, 720 backflip 20, 20 times over, um, to kind of really find ourselves and you know it's just been part of our absolute evolution and when you talk about entrepreneurship and um you know being you know innovative it's kind of been ingrained in everything that we do along the way mm. um, and you know we really you know it, it lies within everything that we do is kind of like well there are no boundaries and we can always do things you know and our, our kind of organ from an organization perspective you know there's not an idea that we don't run with it's always mm. cool sounds good let's go let's do it let's um, give it a crack let's yeah let's give it a crack let's validate that it works and let's take it to the next level 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's the very heart of entrepreneurship in the, the day, isn't it? And then and then being able to kill off bad ideas quickly, but but invest in the ones that show promise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's it, right? It's kind of, you know, great idea. Let's validate that it works. Let's not over invest in it. And I think, you know, we're, you know, probably jumping a little bit, but where, where we're at today is probably, you know, years of innovation and re- really, you know, u- unique solutions and services and that type of thing. Um, whilst we always validated, there's probably been a lot of market movement that requires us to sit back and kind of re-evaluate and re-validate, you know, a, a number of moves that we did. Because whilst they were right and validated and were correct at that point in time, today, things are a lot more challenging, you know, when we talk about the economic um, economic position and, and, and also, you know, um, you know, financial variables and factors in certain aspects and, mm. and also we've always kind of just committed to doing good you know um we need to ensure that whatever we're doing also remains you know commercially commercially viable yeah 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 okay so so i mean let's just talk about that because i do i want to come back to you know th- th- fundamentally what you guys are doing and, and how brands can can leverage that but before we do you just mentioned something i think is just interesting there about the economics have how the economics have changed What's challenging now that perhaps wasn't as challenging when you first rebranded to Apparel? Yeah, so so this is really interesting, and you know we're actually really really deep into it right now as we speak. Over the last couple of weeks, it's been you know a massive focus in in the company. Um, so so our services are we we offer consumers the opportunity. Well, our service, which was a hundred percent about eighteen months ago, now makes up about twenty five percent of the business, but. Um, we offer consumers all over the all over Australia the opportunity to pack any a box of unwanted items and we'll pick it up from their front doorstep, bring it back, and be able to um, you know we sort through every single item, we reuse, repurpose what we have to, and ensure nothing goes into landfill or as minimal as possible goes into landfill. Obviously, there's contaminated goods and things like that, and you know we get get the odd uh, knife in the box, but anyway, that's oh that's nice, cool. yeah, thanks. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, don't know why I just mentioned that, but anyway, when you expand out to the US, you might find all sorts of other small armaments in there yes, as well. That'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's an it's an interesting one because I think you know we find these issues and we find these challenges that present themselves, you know, purely with the consumer side. So on that consumer side, we have not priced, we have not adjusted the price on that in two and a half years. It's twenty five dollars a box, simple mats, right? And simple mats, the cost of freight and logistics has increased so much that it now costs in certain areas in Australia over $30 just to ship that box. Mm. That's not with the recycling cost, the sorting cost, the you know um, reuse cost, the technology impact, you know, everything. So you know we're out of pocket in certain spaces and, and mm. we're at a loss in certain areas very quickly. Now, when we launched it, the average price of... Um, the average price of a box to land at our facility was fourteen bucks. Mm. It was fourteen dollars, and 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 today, you know, I I think that's in the twenties somewhere. And so, you know, commercially, that's become a challenge. Yeah. Um, now, you know, we are a we're a certified B Corp, which means that we're commercial as well as impactful and purposeful. We're out here to demonstrate that. You know, it's it's good to make money. It's good to employ people. Um, it's you know, if our purpose is for good and for better, and that we're you know focusing on our you know and and committed to 
positive environmental, social impacts and all that kind of thing. And so, you know, the cost of staff and all that type of thing, there's been changes there and whatever else. Now, all, all of it's fine. It's just things that we need to be mindful of. But because we've gone so fast, so hard, mm. you know, they're the kind of things that we haven't reviewed. And that's probably, I think we've had a, a, an epic model of reiterating what we're doing, improving, doing new things, being bigger, better. But that culture also has missed that review of things. Yeah. You know, that stop. Yep. It was good a year ago. Where is it at today? Right. And it's kind of, you know, our, our mentality and our approach is cool. We did that a year ago. What the fuck are we going to do today? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Just, what next? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, but yeah, look, that that's really where it's at. And to kind of give an example, you know, we went from that direct to consumer model, um, where customers could just go online and book that box to then brands and retailers saying, Hey, can we offer this to our, you know, our people, then those brands and retailers turned around and said, hang on, what about all of our excess dormant, faulty, unwanted end of season stock? Right. And we said, Oh, well, that's easier than doing any consumer stuff because yeah. a lot of the time it's already in location. You just easy to sort of collect up. Yeah. It's, it's, and, 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 you know, it could be a hundred pallets of the same product. Yeah been pulled off the shelves for any you know reason or whatever else then on the back of that we had every corporate in the country turn around and go hey what about our uniform yeah that's where the big change came in where you know today we you know support the likes of most of the large banks all the way through to the likes of the australian defense force and you know you can think of your fast food outlets you know the the big homeware brand you go collect sausages from on the weekend. No names mentioned. Yeah. yeah. You know, so all, all of those guys have uniforms that can't be reused and have to be recycled. Absolutely. So it's just grown and grown and grown and all grown for the better. And we've, you know, that's now, that makes up, you know, close to, you know, on some months up to 80% of what we wow. do. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously the, they've got a, They've got a number of things that, they, that those brands have got to be careful of. And the last thing they want is to have their branded uniforms lying around the place uh, now with all, all the focus on sustainability and, and on waste management and all the rest of it. And so it makes absolutely makes sense that they, they've been seeking partners to actually process that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and look, you know, the, the truth is, you know, we're, we're, when, when we talk about innovation and, and what we're doing, you know, um, we were the first and, you know, we're the first to do it all on shore. And so for that, that has been a real strength of ours. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, saying that doing things offshore is necessarily a bad thing for us, you know, trace, you know, the, you know, part of the reason we are a certified B Corp is because we have absolute transparency and traceability on every single thing that we do. You know, yeah. we can report back to a, you know, a big one of you know, Australia's largest retailer and tell them the exact amount of cardboard, the exact amount of plastic, the exact amount of reused clothes, repurposed clothes, and actually where every kilogram went. Yeah, and, and that became you know part of our offering, and you know is definitely something those largest corporates, you know, have begun seeking out. And and you know, the world the world of textile waste and the world of you know what do I do at end of life that that it's not something that we've thought about over time. You know, for us, when I say that we, you know, we refocused our efforts on partnerships and collaborations, a lot of it was about, well, when I partner up with Cotton On, you know, I'm going to reach 6 million Australians. Mm. 
you know, we're, we're going to be able to create greater awareness, greater learnings, greater education, and then make a significantly greater impact as opposed to payroll putting up some Facebook ads. Again, you know, very similarly with like organizations like Target, they, you know, their, their reach is enormous. And so that's, you know, for us, it wasn't, it, it was, it was, you know, at heart is always about, you know, we're still at a point of creating awareness. We don't know what we don't know. We're learning as we go. And yeah, it, it, it's building on from there. Giles, just jumping in here again with a quick aside. No matter where you are in your journey to grow your brand for a healthier planet, there's one area of impact that all e-commerce brands share, and that's shipment packaging. It's imperative that the customer's order arrives in perfect condition. You already know if your stuff arrives damaged that's a bad user experience it ends up in profit sucking refunds or replacements and the damaged items will likely end up in landfill but how much thought have you given to the fact that your shipment packaging is actually usually a highly overlooked part of the overall customer experience in many cases it will be the very first physical interaction someone has with your brand with sustainability the war on waste and the single-use plastic problem being front of mind for almost all consumers now, the last thing you want is for that first impression of your brand to be dominated by frustration with how your products are packaged. That's why I'm so excited to be partnering with our friends at Heaps Good Packaging on the show. They provide a range of very cost-effective, eco-friendly, compostable shipment packaging from simple mailers through fillers, tapes, labels, and post-pack boxes. And with that all-important first impression in mind, they can also help you with custom printed packaging as well to really elevate your brand experience. Head over to heapsgoodpackaging.com.au and use code PACKLIKEABOSS to get 10% off site-wide. Okay, back to today's discussion. So let's just dive in a little bit more on what you guys actually do. So you, you, we talk about textiles a lot. There's, you know, we, you've said that word a few times, but what textiles? What can you process? What can you deal with? And what can't you deal with? Yeah, so, so quite simply, we've made it simple, easy, and convenient for anyone, any company, any brand, retailer, corporate in, in Australia to be able to ensure that in, none of their textiles end up in landfill. And so we've built you know, probably one of the strongest logistics, reverse logistics models in the country to be able to bring anything in from anywhere. Now, then what happens is every single item is identified for reuse or repurpose. Where items are fit for reuse, we donate them to charities, social enterprise, not-for-profits, op shops around the country. What it means is that as we, through our sorting process, things are broken up and sorted into you know, heaps of categories. But it means, you know, um, I don't know, um, Northern Beaches men's crisis housing isn't getting dumped with a bunch of crap that they actually don't need. And mm. so we can give them exactly what they need. And our, our agreements with any of our partners is that anything that they don't need We'll take it back um, and that anything that we send them can't go into landfill, can't go offshore. Right. So we've got them agreeing to everything there. And what that means is the right things going to the right places to make the right outcome, to drive the right outcome. Now, that's all being donated. And it's funny you mentioned those numbers. I reckon we're probably at 9 million donated items, not 9 million items diverted from landfill. Um, um, but that's that's our fault. And I'll have a chat to the website, man, about that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, there, but the other, you know, so, so that's the reuse side, right? And, and it means, you know, th there's a lot of reasons for reuse. There's, you know, people in need, there is op shops, there is, you know, there's multiple 
you know, reasons that, you know, as to, you know, multiple solutions as to what the reuse is. And I, I actually think that that's where probably the greatest opportunity, if we can extend the life of the item without having to use it, without mm. having to recycle it, that should always be number one. Mm. Now I can tell you, you know, big global brands, you know, have expectations that actually none of their stuff does end up in op shops and that's brand, you know, brand value, brand equity piece. And then, you know, completely understandable. It is what it is. Um, uniforms shouldn't end up there either. Um, right. You know, but some brands have expectations that actually, if you, you know, even if it's brand new, take off all the tags, remove all the labels and use it. And so that's the kind of service that we do in certain parts there. So that's, you know, kind of on the reuse side, but everything that we bring in is sorted and broken apart. The next side is um, on the recycle part. So what we found very, very early was that we could make a greater impact and greater, you know, um, um, be able to recycle and divert significantly more from landfill if we partnered up with anyone that was doing things onshore and within our ecosystem. So quite simply, and I'll come back to us, but we are mechanical recyclers, right? And that's mechanical textile recyclers. But we accept shoes, right? Now, shoes, we've partnered up with people in Australia that recycle shoes. Mm. So we collect, we sort, and they get the product that they need. We've partnered up with awesome people in Queensland like Blocktex who chemical recycle textiles, so polyester and cotton, polycotton mixes. So through our sorting process, we sort into those categories and they are the recipient of that item. Yeah. We've got people within our New Zealand ecosystem that are doing very similar things to what we're doing on the mechanical side here, but that also turn it into, you know, um, construction type materials. So they're taking, you know, whether it be insulation or whether it be, you know, um, underlay we're working with australia's you know leading furniture manufacturers to make a whole bunch of furniture and so instead of importing fill products we're using australian what others would have deemed as waste as a resource yeah, yeah. You know? and, and so that's that but on our side what we do is what we recycle is we take it we turn things into a fiber so we shred that we turn it into a fiber that fiber can then replace a number of household items anything that you have in your house that's got fill in it then we move into furniture products we move into insulation we move into construction materials we move into you know um home decor products think pillows you know uh, mattresses pet beds couches you know um um throws a whole bunch of different things and for us it's kind of like you know you know we've looked at products and we've gone what can we replace with textile yeah and it's nothing that's necessarily well i think everyone who's probably listening you know would say it is you know kind of groundbreaking but you know traditionally it's, it's just us kind of going well why are we using a virgin material in something and what can we replicate yeah you know um you know the simple example to give you is you know what is found inside a boxing bag right what is found inside a pet bed a lot of the time it's just a lot of time it's foam foam right yeah now, foam doesn't break down and so the no. product that we've created is circular in, in in the best way that we can get it to circularity which is 
we shred it down, move it into a fiber. And from that fiber, it then when after it's used can be reprocessed again. Right. right. So we try and keep it in as long as possible. Obviously, you know, after a certain amount of time, it's no longer serving a purpose, but we've extended the life of it. And through that, we've reduced the requirement and need to utilize a virgin material. Yeah, okay. That's what we do yeah. in the shortest way I could possibly put it, I think. An incredibly smart part of that is the downstream reuse of the fiber material that you've you've created as a result of that recycling because i mean in most recycling chains it all comes unstuck at the point of of having someone having a demand for that recycled material that fiber as you describe it right i mean if you didn't have that you would just end up having vast warehouses full of fluffy stuff waiting to set light to which is obviously what you don't want Uh, and so you you know the, the smart part of all of this for me is that you've engineered a downstream supply chain that we're of people that are uh, have a demand for what you're producing out of the recycling process. So our demand today, which is really interesting, because obviously this is a pretty hot topic in the world at the moment, and specifically in Australia, with some you know things that have happened. But you know, yeah, our demand in Australia. I had a number of large retailers and brands in here. And we're going through a bit of a due diligence piece, and and you know I've never sat back and looked at deep detail numbers, but I had to with them. And um, you know our demand is two and a half thousand ton a year currently today you know to date we've only collected you know just over 1200 ton over the last two years wow you know so 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 the demand exceeds that now um you know while we've tried to rush this very busy you mentioned very busy at the moment is you know we've just finalized some equipment that will see us have the opportunity to convert fiber back into fiber that can be re-spun into a yarn wow now that's the next phase of what we do. Realistically, though, and you know why, you know we, that that means that we can convert what is deemed as waste into a resource. But will we be spinning it in Australia? We don't have that materials, right? And so, you know, I don't see. You know, it's very different because at that point in time, we're selling a commodity like iron ore, right? It's not, yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, we're utilizing a product, and you know, kind of going, you know, almost. You know, I don't like to say it, but, you know, there is a potential to go T-shirt to T-shirt. Obviously, the economics of that are going to be interesting. But I, I can actually see a world in the future where that there is actually demand for spinning in Australia again. Because a number of uh, clothing manufacturers I talk to that say, yeah, we'd love to buy it in, in, in Australia, but nobody buy, nobody makes it here. There's just no spinning mills. There's no, none of this. And so th- there might be a time where, you know, there are some premium brands, premium sustainable brands that actually, you know, are seriously looking for that. So it could be a, it could be a viable option in the future. Uh, look, I, I, don't doubt, I don't doubt that the premium sustainable brands want it. I mean, we speak to them all the time, and um, you know, we and we speak to them not just in Australia but globally. And so, we know the products in demand. Um, it, it becomes a matter of scale, right? Like, as as, as a con- consumerist, materialistic, um, you know, um, country, um, you know, we're consuming twenty seven kilos a year of textiles per person, discarding off twenty three kilograms on average. You know the the the, the maths behind that tells a pretty hor- horrific you know situation of how many pieces of clothing we're using and getting rid of, and as a result of that, you know is you know is that driven by the lower price point of these mm. products? Yeah, I, and it's interesting you say that because I read somewhere on your site that apparently we are in Australia we are the second highest per capita of textile usage. Yeah, look, it's it, it, it's pretty it's pretty um 
horrifying, um, pretty embarrassing when you come to mm. think about it. Uh, it's, um, you know, we're, we're the second largest consumer and discarder behind the US. And, you know, that's not something that you want to be standing on the podium for, to be honest. It isn't, is it? So so I guess your process, coming back to what you actually do, your process basically means because you're because you're a mechanical recycler, you don't care what the fiber is, right? You don't, it, you'll accept everything. Is that is that fair? Yeah. So I think what we're doing, you know, then that's been the interest, you know, when I go back to kind of reviewing what we're doing, you know, we've had to review things along the way where we've, you know, very early days, we were collecting bags, um, you know, handbags, backpacks and that type of thing. And what we realized is actually the cost to decommission, break up the hardware, separate the materials actually is not viable. Ignoring the commercial side, um, what we learned was that this lovely product, this lovely material called pleather would shed and it shed this disgusting stuff that would then contaminate everything else around it. And so you kind of, not only is it no good as a product and, you know, lacks recyclability, um, but if you put it with something recycled, it then, you know, screws that product and, and, and makes that product unrecyclable. So, so, you know, we had to, you know, call that out. And that, that's the kind of focus where we're at today. We're kind of going, well, we've done it all. Um, you know, there hasn't been anything that's kind of gone, you know, can't do that really. Um, what can we do on scale? Where are we seeing the greatest opportunity? And let's focus on that. And then once we absolutely perfect that and nail that, let's go to the next thing and let's invest in yeah. equipment and machinery and processes to be able to do the next thing and do more and more. Um, so yeah, just a bit of rewiring to speak. Um, but yeah, that's a bit been the learning along the way. Yeah. So, so I mean, normal, normal garments, sheets, you know, as you say, uniforms, you know, anything made of anything, cotton, bamboo, pot, uh, you know, blends, whatever. You don't care about that. Yeah. So, so, so the way we see things is where there's purity in the materials and where it's a straightforward material that becomes isolated. Right. So, so we start to, you know, separate based on material composition and fabric. What's in your pet bed? What's in your boxing bag? What's in your, um, uh, you know, what's behind a um, polypropylene bag that sits inside your bean bag cover actually mm. doesn't really matter what the mix is, right? So it's, it's you know, finding the right outcome for the right material. Yeah. You know, when you think about that, you know, we, we've, you know, spoken to a number of people about, um, you know, some of the stuff that we're working on on the side from an R&D perspective is what does a blow like insulation look like right and a blow insulation means that you can insulate old homes through a vacuum type blowing mechanism and is without having to squeeze into between walls that you can't normally get into and the environmental impact of that is greater because of the consuming less energy and whatever else and what products could go in between a wall Right, so it's not visible, and you know what fabrics would work, and what is a bit does have a better fire rating, and so there's a lot of stuff that we're looking at, which kind of goes: Do you want to be wearing a cotton to cotton shirt? Yes. Do you want to be wearing a lycra, lycra, pleather, leather, um, cotton bamboo shirt? Absolutely not. So that's not the path that that would take. But when you're looking at your linens, your towels, and things like that, that direct you know, um, product to product and fabric to fabric is 
yeah, it's a different scenario. And that's where the real opportunity probably sits on, even on the commercial side, because you're then producing a expen- more expensive, exclusive material that is in wide, like you know, has great, significant demand. Yeah, totally makes sense. So how, how do brands work with you? What's your commercial structures that you have and, and the offerings that you have available for, for brands and retailers to actually work with you? Yes. So I think, you know, if we go to brands and retailers specifically, um, you know, we have two, you know, two key focuses in, on, on, the, on the brand side and retailer side. One is, are we engaging with their, cons- with their customer? And the other is engaging with them directly. I might just explain it directly first because that's the most straightforward. But the, the direct piece is really anything that sits in a warehouse, anything that's been taken off the shelves is dead stock, unwanted, faulty, can't be sold, whatever it is. Um, that's just a direct, it goes from their facility into, and, in, into ours and based on the product and based on the item, the quantity, there's a, essentially what the waste industry would call a gate fee. Yep. Um, as, as it comes in, the processing, the sorting process begins and the outcomes are then presented back to the partner. The next part of things is the consumer side. So really on the consumer side, the point here is to engage with a brand um, and engage with your consumers. So on one side, it's driving people to the website um, and giving them an opportunity to recycle on site. So you could go onto Target's website, recycle with them and get rewarded and incentivized from Target. But also as importantly, you know, it's we're monitoring every single kilogram that is being um, contributed and diverted from landfill as a result of targets, you know, um, message. And I'm using yep. them as an example, which I, I, I'm sure some of my other partners, our other partners would want probably their name, but you know, that's just an example. Um, that, and that's really a retailer. The other side of things is, you know, you could walk into a Decuba store, you could walk into a Kathmandu store in, in Victoria and recycle you know, you, in, with Decuba, you can go in and recycle any unwanted denim um, in Kathmandu, any of your old Kathmandu stuff, you can go and drop in there, right? And so they're taking responsibility. Well, you got Kathmandu taking responsibility for their product. Mm. You've got Decuba saying, no, no, we're taking responsibility for all of denim. We manage the logistics to be able to pick it up. Again, you know, contributing to how many kilograms are diverted from landfill on their um, perspective. But really, you know, it's a, we're, we're here to work with brands and retailers you know it's understanding what you know they're trying to solve for we have things like you know big brands big retailers that have a customer returns concern and so what Mm. you know what 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 happens in that space you know customer returns you know a lot of the time they're not being put back on the shelves there's not you know someone inspecting it so it's there's a lot of stuff that happens and we kind of just work with them to make sure it's easy, convenient, simple for them on their side to kind of, you know, to have no reason to say no and no reason yeah. to, try to go, let's not do it today. Um, but, you know, for us, it's how do we engage with customers? How do we report back the impact that you're making? And, you know, I think you can, you know, um, with Cotton On, for example, you know, they produced and released their good report late last year. And, you know, the findings in there was, you know, one of, one of the streams that we supported with was able to reduce the um their waste by close to i think over 90 percent because that's the sorting process you kind of yeah. redirect products to the right places which is sometimes just easier to just put it all in something and go see like yeah. you know yeah. think about it. but you know that's our what 
that's what our focus and commitment is and so the the collections part of that you mentioned um early on for the for the retail part that you know you you were sort of cut the cost of that actual pickup was included in the price to the consumer is that the same model for for brands as well you just you take care of all the logistics as part of the engagement price yeah so so you know i, I might just give you know the Katmandu scenario so so with Katmandu, there's i think 24 21 stores in in, in melbourne and um, they have a apparel Kathmandu branded um, box in there that any customer, I think I'm not too sure if it's behind the counter or if it's in front of the counter or if it's in the back room, but they can take back their old Kathmandu stuff. And, you know, we drop it off and pick it up monthly and that's that. Yeah. Okay. And have you got your own logistics uh, arm that does that or are you using partners? Absolutely not. We leverage every existing logistics courier network in the country. We don't want to be putting more cars on the road. There's enough yeah. on there. And we don't need to, and it's not our focus. It's not, you know, it's not where we play. It's not what we um. There's a lot of smarter people out there on the roads and managing that kind of courier freight logistics piece. We'll focus on recycling and, you know, partner up with these awesome guys for them to do what they're great at. So, Michael, we're coming to the end of, of our session together. What's next for Apparel that you're really excited about over the next sort of 12, 18 months? What do you think? What, what are the new exciting things that are going to be announced soon? Well, well, I'm heading overseas in the next week um, to finalise what will be Australia's most amazing, uh, so well, probably more, more the Southern Hemisphere's um, leading um, recycling equipment that you know will be able to take this at a large to a large you know, mechanical recycling. To be fair to my chemical recycling partners, but um, that will see us take this to another level and produce products that are you know, being highly regarded, awarded, recommended and, yeah, awarded globally. So that's that's the big one for us. And, you know, the focus is getting there and, um, you know, what that means. But, you know, it changes things because it takes us to a, you know, uh, another level of scale, which yeah. you know, we're really proud of. Yeah, well, congratulations for that. That's awesome. So where do brands go, Michael, if they want to start working with you? Mate, partnerships at apparel.com.au. Shoot an email, jump onto the website, apparel.com.au. There's a whole section on partnerships um, and, you know, all the solutions, all these um, services are there. You know, click the button and say, you know, um, and someone will get back to you very, very quickly. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, on, on the side of the consumer website stuff where, or even the bins, you know, it's the, the kind of thing that we can turn around in less than 24 hours yeah, uh, and, you know, get people making an impact very, very quickly. That's awesome. And and speed of being able to implement that is, is absolutely fantastic. So uh, congratulations on, on, on in a very short time, essentially, perhaps reinventing is the right word, but almost inventing a new industry in a way is probably a better way to put it, isn't it? It's uh, what an incredible achievement in just a few years uh, from a sock brand through, through to Australia's leading mechanical recycling uh, facility for textiles. Uh, just a tremendous job. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Giles. Appreciate it. And thanks for giving us the platform to create great awareness mate really appreciate it uh it's exciting to be uh, to to have you on the show it's started to be part of that and uh best of luck as you uh, introduce your new scale up scaled up recycling machinery cheers thank you mate thank you back to giles again for my top takeouts and it was interesting to hear just how much the economics of logistics have shifted in a couple of years such that what was an economically viable $25 pickup service for households two years ago is now under serious commercial pressure. 
If it wasn't for the rapid growth in brand partnerships that apparel has driven and enjoyed, they almost certainly wouldn't have been able to continue to support that service. Obviously, keeping it cheap for the consumer is critical to enabling households to do their part, and so I do hope they can continue to offer that going forward. With apparel, though, not everything gets shredded. They're taking, I think, a strong yet pragmatic approach to high-quality items being leveraged by charity organisations. Their view, of course, is that reuse is better than recycling. And that being said, it was also eye-opening to learn that their current demand for recycled fibre products exceeds their current production capability by at least double. That's a huge confidence boost in the face of some of the troubles faced by other recycling programmes in the past year. I also love the way Michael is seeing apparel as part of an ecosystem for textile recycling, working with chemical recyclers like Blocktex, who are in fact my guests on next week's show. But I think the biggest overall takeout for me is just the inspiring growth in demand for Australian-based recycling of textiles from businesses and brands. It has become the done thing to recycle rather than landfill uniforms, overstocks, dead stock, returned items, damaged items, and post-consumer end-of-life products. So it's great to know that if any of these types of potential waste are a consideration for your brand, you can now rethink your processes around that and work with partners like Apparel right here in Australia. So I hope you found my chat with Michael interesting. I'd like to say thanks again to Michael for coming on the show. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Heaps Good Packaging, for helping me make this podcast sustainable too. I'll be back again next week with more stories from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet. <laughs>